GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for your time today and welcome to the next episode in our podcast series. And I'd love to introduce you to Dr. Sari Summerscales, who's from the wonderful part of Mackay. She's a full-time skin cancer doctor with many years of experience managing skin cancer patients. And today we're going to be talking about screening for skin cancer in different ages and different skin types. So welcome, Kerry. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you having me here. It's great. Wonderful. So Kerry, we're really talking about the practical experiences you have with relation to screening, let's say, for different population groups or age groups, and then for different skin types. So perhaps if we just start with the different age groups first. So just, I suppose, your approach maybe to elderly, sort of middle-aged and through to children, do you approach these patients differently? And if so, how? Well, I think you have to really. I mean, there's going to be different risks and different um, concerns in each age bracket. Certainly children, they're not the one with the concern. It's usually their parents. But I'm very much the opinion, the earlier you get someone in to understand the concept of prevention is better than cure, the better, you know. So if a parent wants a, you know, their eight-year-old to come in for a skin check, you make it fun and um, enjoyable and really relaxed and chilled out for both the parent and the child. I don't recommend they come in every year because realistically, the chance of an eight-year-old having melanoma is extremely negligible or even any other skin cancer for that matter. But the more important thing is get them used to the concept of you know, having skin checks, having regular, regular skin checks, regular health checks, and actually engaging with their doctor, which I think is, is also important and not being scared of that. And also, I think it's, to be honest, that, that with the kids, I often also use it as an opportunity to discuss about body autonomy. And if anyone asks to see your body that, you know, you tell someone and, and that your parents should be there or that, you know, you're a safe person. So I, th- I think it's a, it's a really good opportunity to do a lot of things with kids. And yeah, I quite often, you know, the kids quite often make a big fun about, you know, you make fun about looking at the bottom of their feet and in between their toes. And, and you tell them that sometimes things can be there and they're, oh, really? Wow. So you yeah. get them engaged really early. So by the time it comes to them actually getting it when it's really important, um, they're not scared and they're, they're used to it. So, yeah, I think that that's okay. really where we start early. Yeah. And I, and I then- suggest every, you know, two or three years just for engagement. Yeah. yeah. And then for, let's say, teenagers into their 20s, how do you normally approach that group that probably think they're a bit bulletproof and obviously yeah, there for do. a reason? Yeah, yeah, of course they do. And you know what? The most common cancer in gentlemen under the age of 30 is melanoma. And I actually had, would have been my first month in working with, you know, this wonderful team that we have. Yeah, 26-year-old and it was a well-advanced melanoma and that person was palliative and and it was on their leg and you sort of think, well, yeah, 26, yeah. but you've got and, to come and, in for skin checks. And do you, do you approach those people differently? As you sort of mentioned with children, you know, you sort of make it fun. I mean, how do you approach yeah. them? It's in that sort of age group. Oh, same. In a lot of ways, it's all about engagement and you've got to find out what their key is. What's got them there today or why have they been referred? So in, in this case, the 26-year-old had been referred with, I did not need a dermatoscope to know that was a you know, well-advanced melanoma. And nor would anyone really, to be honest with you, you'd be blind Freddy to not know it. But with that, you've got to engage with them early. So if you see, I don't know, you might see their parent and they've dragged in, you go, oh, why don't you come in next week for yours? And yeah, I don't necessarily do their skin checks every year. It depends on their risk. I look at the melanoma risk scale. We use the melanoma risk tool. And I mean, obviously, if they've got a high family occurrence of melanoma, especially young, then yeah, you bet I'm going to do it annually in, in that 20 to 30 year old. 
But, you know, if, if not, and if they, if they don't glow in the dark like myself and they're a bit more sun aware, because a lot of the, you know, I do the questions at the beginning of my skin checks, always say, you know, you know, their history about sun exposure and blistering, peeling. And it's really interesting. I look at the difference in my age bracket. So I'm, you know, in my 50s, early 50s. When I'm my age bracket and older, of course, they say, yeah, I was burnt all the time. And yeah, yeah, lots of um, peeling. Yeah, even had some blistering. And I, I feel quite guilty because um, when I ask that, I know that I've had some extensive blistering, you know, the back of my knees were purple or I had a massive blister the size of a fist on my back. So I, when we ask those questions, we're not being judgmental, but it's so important that we ask them. Yet when I ask ones who are in their 30s or lower, oh, yeah, a little bit of sun, you know, a little bit of sunburn. Did you ever have any peeling? Oh, maybe once. Any blistering? No, no blistering at all. Totally different answers. And when I say, do you use sunscreen? They say, yeah, of course. Whereas my age bracket and older, you know, quite often it's the refoil and yeah. <laughs> that they use, which, you know, I'll often say, well, how do we cook a nice sausage? Well, we douse it in oil and slowly rotate it. What did they do? Well, they douse themselves in refoil and slowly rotate it in the sun. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, exactly. I think my parents obviously were generation definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm your age. So, yes, I yeah. do remember being a little bit naughty myself. And then sort of the, I suppose, that late middle age group. I mean, uh, I suppose you mentioned then, you know, you talk about the their sun exposure and obviously having yeah. had severe sunburns. Is there is there sort of any other communication or conversations you tend to have, you know, with those slightly older age groups before we get to sort of the pension or retiree level? Definitely. Look, I, we go have a, you know, as women, well, we used to have it every two years, but now five yearly, we have our, you know, cervical strains. So you sort of bring that up as well about that sort of preventative health and getting them engaged. And also, especially mums at that age bracket in that sort of, you know, 40s, 50s, they're so busy racing around after everyone else. I say it's the one time you get to actually look after you. And my skin checks, I generally take about 20, sometimes 30 minutes because you have a conversation with them. I'm very big on the fact that you should have a conversation before you ask someone to disrobe because it's a little embarrassing for a lot of people. And also I certainly encourage... I have a lot of women who seem to apologise for their body and so they avoid getting skin checks because they're embarrassed about their body. And I always tell them, hey, you know, your body got you here in the first place. Don't ever apologise for it. Society will judge you enough. Don't help them. So you sort of really put them at ease so that they're going to be comfortable when I actually ask them to disrobe because I do ask them to strip down to just their undies. If they're not comfortable with that, we've got modesty blankets or I can work my way around their bra. But it's really important to actually get them comfortable so that when you do you have them on the bed and you start from the head. Well, I actually get them to sit on the bed first and face me and I look at their arms with my uh, magnifying sort of derm light and then, then I get them to lay down and that's when I start going head to toe and always doing the same routine because if you change your routine, then that's when you miss things. But, yeah, I always do the same routine. So I go, you know, the head, go behind the ears, then I look at the neck and then I go from shoulder to shoulder and then I just crisscross the body, whichever, you know, front or back look at their bottom and then do one leg, then the other, their feet, get them spread their toes and then flip over and do the same. So, and yeah, sort of you tell them what you're looking for, tell them you know, the things they should be looking for. I also ask in my screening, do they, who do they live with? And, you know, some people sort of look at me a bit strange. I go, look, the main reason I ask is because does anyone see you regularly in less than what you're wearing now? Because quite often, so often, especially for the gents, it's their spouse that's gone, you know, gone to the bathroom or something like that. So, oh gosh, what's that? What's that on your back? Go to the doctor. So yeah, you just explain why you're asking the questions. Same as yeah. I ask if they're on any immunosuppressive drugs, have they had cancers? Because if they're immunosuppressed, I've got a couple of patients who are renal transplant patients. And, you know, my mum 
had a lung transplant herself, so I understand the transplant community. They're on heavily, highly immunosuppressive drugs, and they are extremely prone to uh, skin cancers. They should be having them every six months, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, as uh, you mentioned, obviously, how you approach women, just to, to finish that off, how do you have the conversation around, obviously, skin cancers that, well, well obviously, lesions potentially that are in their underwear, whether it's obviously under their bra or, or under their pants? How do you have that conversation with the patient? Because obviously, particularly for male doctors, that's probably an area that's, you know, of an area of great discomfort. It would be. And certainly, I mean, obviously being female in some ways, I can get away with a little bit more. I usually try to make it a little lighthearted. You know, I'm just going to look under your, um, under your bra if you don't mind. I'm just going to look at your pelvis if that's okay. And then quite often I, I make a quip, you know, um, the questions I can ask in my workplace that you can never ask in yours. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, and I do that with the gents as well, because a lot of the gentlemen are a little embarrassed as well. So it's just about, I suppose, reading that patient, knowing if they're a very serious sort of patient and wouldn't take kindly to jokes and don't, you know, make little quips. But certainly it's about making them feel at ease and, and reading that. But also if, if they are uncomfortable, then, yeah, you just explain. I mean, I've certainly seen a, I've seen a big melanoma under someone's bra line and it was because they'd never taken them off for their skin checks previously. So it's just a matter of having a look. And if yeah. they're not comfortable, that's okay. When, whilst they're laying down, undo the bra and have a look, you know, totally open it out, have a look, and then do it back up for them. And when they flip over, just say, you know, do you mind if I examine your breasts? And always use the back of your hand so you're not cupping someone's breast. It's more clinical that way and I suppose less confronting when you've got yeah. the back of your hand against someone's breast than, you know, you get yeah. the palm. No, exactly. I mean, obviously, as a female doctor, you probably, as I said, there are, patients are probably a little bit more at ease. I mean, I, I think from all the experience I've had speaking to other doctors is, you know, generally asking the patient, is there something of concern, you know, obviously under their underwear that they would like you to look at, or definitely getting permission, obviously, in the first place, because obviously, from my experience in running practices for 20 odd years, most of the trouble is when someone undoes a bra strip and hasn't actually asked for permission in the first place is where the issues can occur. Definitely. It all comes down to communication, you know, yeah, definitely. and if you communicate the risk and that um especially that sort of middle age as we start to get a bit older yeah that's when the, the melanoma and the, and also everyone focuses on melanoma but squamous cell cancer that one can bump you off as well you know I, i've got a lovely veteran he, he's an amazing man and you know it started with just one on his i think it started on the tragus but it ended up taking you know most of his ear canal and he had it well over a year of constant surgeries and you know, so he's lost an ear he's lost an eye and the no ear made um masks interesting during COVID it did give him a mask exemption because he also then you know so he lost his you know sense of hearing on that side he was deaf as opposed on the other being a veteran in his you know 70s so uh, now had a bone conducting hearing aid which meant the mask would rub on it and that would be all he'd hear so yeah it's not just melanoma it's certainly all of them there and then as far as how you approach men, since we just talked about women, so how do you approach men differently in, in your skin check? So I suppose with me, my background's being, you know, military. So I was in the army quite some years. I'm used to working with, with men. Tend to be a bit more, I suppose, Ocker Aussie's wrong way to describe it in some ways, yeah. but yeah, you tend to be a bit more forward, I suppose, and say, oh, look, mate, yeah, I've just got to check this out. I'm just going to check the top of your pelvis if that's, if that's all right. You still always ask permission because, you know, men are entitled to a body autonomy as well. But certainly I've had a couple actually say, oh, look, there's something on my penis that I'm a little concerned about. And my response is normally, well, it's skin, isn't it? You know? exactly. And 
and that puts them at ease when you say, well, it's still skin, isn't it? Yeah. I wipe my dermatoscope between each um, each patient. So yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I mean, just in the, the final age group, you know, as far as you know, potential, you know, let's say people over the age of sixty-five. I mean, is there? I mean, obviously a very high-risk group for all the reasons you'd obviously outlined earlier, including bad behaviours as they were younger. Do you approach them differently from the other cohorts? A little, I suppose. In some ways. They may be a little bit more conservative, especially when we start talking, you know, a lot older. Their mobility is a little bit less as well. So if they have trouble laying down on the bed and flipping over, then I will I still have them sit on the bed and I will essentially, you know, mobilise around them. I certainly can't do them with, I can't squat down and get back up again you know, after 30 years army. But, you know, so I will sort of crawl around the bed in some ways, if you like, and still expose all skin bit by bit. I tend to find that some of them are a little bit more conservative in uh, how what they'll expose. So I always ensure that they've got that modesty blanket and you expose part of the skin at the time. But yeah, you just let them know the risks and let them know. I often say the further <laughs> they'll have lesions that they often on their face, obviously we're talking about, you know, the basal cell and the squamous cell, they're more on that face and the ears, always check their ears, tell them to check their ears, the top of their ears. But I'll often say, you know, They'll have a concern it might be a Seb K, you know, sort of approach it that like yeah, the joys of getting further away from 20, the stuff that wasn't in the small print. It's all about making them feel at ease. Yeah. With that older sort of population, I am more vigilant on doing them every year. And I may be more vigilant on depending on their family history also with that, you know, maybe utilizing some other measures such as, you know, total body photography or in treatment, I use a lot more field treatment in that sort of age bracket. Because as yeah. much as I love locking into skin, like don't get me wrong, that's great. But, you know, when someone's got 15 things on their arm, the potential, you know, actinic keratosis or IECs or squamous cell, I don't want to, I'd love to lock into them that much, but I'm sure they don't want it. So I'll use the field treatment first and whatever survives, I'll take that. So, yeah, you do approach it a bit differently. Whereas if I saw the same lesions on a younger person, I may still do the, the field treatment, but there's often not that many. So it might only be one. So I'll probably take it rather than do that full field treatment, like such as the rapid effidics and such like. Excellent. And then, so just for different skin types. So do you approach, once again, different skin types differently in your practice? I mean, if you're conducting a skin check, is there any sort of differences that you use when you're dealing with different skin types? In some ways, certainly, you know, darker skin. In a lot of ways, we think that, oh, well, they're they're more protected. And in some ways they are because they do have a bit more protection than than someone as myself who's had two colour tones, white and red. And so, but by the same token, if you've got quite dark skin, the melanoma isn't going to show up as easily. So on me, it's going to stand out like the proverbial because, you know, I glow in the dark. It's it's a dark lesion. Gosh, what's that? Where if you've got quite dark skin, by the time you notice it and come to the doctor, it may be quite advanced. So you, they've still got to have their skin checks. They've still got to look at doing their, you know, their screening. But it's just that quite often, you know, they think, oh, well, I'm totally safe. I've got darker skin. And so that by the time they come in with a lesion of concern, it's far more advanced than, say, someone like myself with the, that sort of, you know, northern European, northern English sort of pale, very translucent yeah. skin. Yeah, I uh, agree. Kerry, you just want to share something related to dark skin? Yes, certainly. We need to be aware that darker coloured skin and certainly some Asian skin types are more prone to keloid scarring. So they need to be aware of that. However, we can try and combat it, certainly by when we've done an excision, I just put a pressure bandage on that and or pressure dressing straight over that excision site. So it's right on top of it and it helps reduce that risk of hyperproliferation. Then also when the sutures come out, I do the same for at least a month. I keep pressure on it. Let them know that their skin may be more prone to that and ask them if they've ever had it in the past. 
and then let them know if it does start to happen to come in as soon as possible because we can address that as well. Certainly we can inject with hydrocortisone and there's also utilising that sort of pressure bandage and also, you know, the skin coloured micropore. I use that a lot as well to try and help avoid keloiding or minimise scarring. So you just let them know and, and you keep it on for quite some time after, at least a month or two after, just to help decrease that hyperproliferation of the scar. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that experience. And then, I mean, just from, uh, and just finally, so your your message, I mean, around obviously screening, I mean, as far as educating patients on self-examination, because ultimately, as you said, I mean, from our experience you know, running practices, you know, 50% of the cancers that turn up are actually identified by the patient, which is very handy yep. of them. As I said, some of them are cajoled. I, my wife has seen it and she's nagging me and I'm just here to obviously please yep. her today, but thank God that yep. she did get, come in. How do you get the self-screening message along across to your patients? you know in your consultations um well i suppose if they're there that's great you've got the first step you know their first step tip i just tell them look you know it'd be good if we saw you every year i think it's important that that we do this and sometimes you'll start quoting the stats you know like regarding melanoma or more so in the the older age brackets your squamous cells and your basal cells i also tell them that I would much prefer a small one centimetre scar than a centimetre scar. So, yeah. I mean, as much as none of us are 20 anymore in that age bracket, and I'll often say that none of us are 20, but it's still your face. Yeah. So you don't want a massive zigzag down your cheek when you yeah. could have a nice little um, line that I can hide in a laugh like. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No. and uh, or the contours of their face, you know. And I think also most, even the blokes. I mean, up here, it's you know, it's very much a mining sort of area and sugarcane farmers, fair bit of veteran as well. So you've got that sort of like, now nah, I'll be right, love yeah. attitude. But it's certainly, I think, the message gets sent home when they have their first excision, whether that be melanoma or squamous cell or the basal cell. Putting the local into the nose is 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 not comfortable. Do that once; they tend to come back very regularly yeah. for. The- Greens and use a field treatment or, or or such like so that you know they can avoid that again. Yeah, no, agreed. I would. Mean, I, I think the other you know the messages that we don't try to get across is you know anything new or changing, don't wait. Oh. You know, particularly particularly if you've got you know your skin check booked, your annual skin check. But if something obviously appears between now and then, don't wait until the annual skin check to come and see us because obviously these things can occur at any point in time. Got to, and you've got to make them feel comfortable. I'll often say, you know, look, if, yeah, if you want to come back earlier, feel free. If your wife sends you back, definitely, because, you know, if you don't, you'll have her nag, nag you yeah. and me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Excellent. Well, look, Kerry, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate you sharing your experiences. And I, and I think, as I think, you know, the, the key thing to get at today is that patients that come in to get their skin check are doing it by choice, right? I mean, ultimately, they're not sick people as such in pain, chasing drugs or otherwise. They're they're there because they are worried about something. And so generally, I, mean, I don't think anyone wants to know they've got skin cancer, but, you know, obviously they've turned up and they're here today to get your expert uh, skin check and then obviously fill it ease through the process. And I think your approach around trying to make it interesting or at least, I'm not saying fun, but I mean, well, obviously fun for the for the, for the the young kiddies, but, you know, the, the ability to make it actually a bit more human and enjoyable as much as going to the doctor, probably for most patients, is yeah. not the most fun activity they get to do. Definitely helps, you know, put them at ease and obviously will help bring them back in the future. There's nothing worse than someone comes in and has a poor experience of a skin check and then, of course, never comes back because of that experience and how it's delivered. And I think, you know, once again, asking for me permission and the ability to read people, as you said, there'll be some people that will 
you know, want to talk about the weather and what the football scores were and, and have a joke. And there's some others that are obviously a lot more serious and would see that as witty banter that's not required. So once again, they're all wonderful experiences. And thank you so much for sharing today. Kerry, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you indeed. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.